This is an ABC podcast. Forward and back, keep forward and big one. Forward and back. Hello, Zan. Hello, Miff. How are you? Oh, I am ready for the smorgasbord that is this week. I am. I am. Can we just talk about the fact that this is going to be one of the biggest episodes of Bang On in 2022? I'm going to call it. Wow. This is what we've got on the menu today. We're going to be talking about the sex playlist on Reddit, the teenage dirtbag (laughs) trend on TikTok, that interview mag cover of Kimmy K, as in... But Yeah. TV series The Bear which everyone's talking about right now, just dropped, and the Raising Their Voices report. And we've got some fashion because the Venice Film Festival has been going great guns, which is really where we begin Mm. this week, isn't it? With the most talked about topic on the internet worldwide. Don't worry, darling. (laughs) There's a lot of worry, though, going on in this film's camp. Oh, a lot of worry. And frankly, I didn't really know anything about this film until the last couple of weeks. And now I actually RSVP'd to opening night because I feel like I should, given everything that's been going on. Do you even know about what the social. synopsis of the film is, though? That's no, the thing. Do you even know what the film Don't itself care. is about? Don't care, but I know about the film now, and that's exciting, and I think that's a good thing. But Don't Worry, Darling is, of course, the latest film that has been directed by Olivia Wilde, who gave us Book Smart. Which is so good. Such a great little film. Yeah. But there's been a lot of drama about it, and it's been going on, bubbling away for a couple of weeks, and we've thought about talking about it here on Bang On, but it didn't really seem quite important enough. But, oh, my goodness, this week it got important, didn't it? Well, yeah. Harry Styles allegedly spat on his co-star, Chris Pine, as Can he we sat just, down. Okay, well, we just need to rewind back to the very start because we've got to figure out the timeline of this mm. very cooked rollout and um, a PR rollout, which is the stuff of nightmares or the stuff of dreams if you believe that no press is bad press. That's right, that's so right. So taking it all the way back, this film, which premiered at Venice Film mm. Festival, which is why the cast was there and the director, Olivia Wilde, as well, Shia LaBeouf was originally cast in the role that Harry Styles ended up playing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the director, Olivia Wilde, mm. and Shia didn't see eye to eye and he was replaced by Harry. Wilde said in an interview that he has a process that in some ways seems to require a combative energy and my responsibility is to the production and to the cast to protect them. And it also seemed to suggest, although not clearly, but suggests that the other lead, Florence Pugh, didn't like working with Shire. Now, Shire has come out since then and said he wasn't fired, he quit. Yep. And then at the film's premiere, first of all, Olivia and Harry, there is no way they're getting photographed together, which I totally understand because then gossip mags are going to dine out on that for weeks, months, years to come. Mm. They're going to put all kinds of bullshit headlines across these two pictures, uh, you know, these images of two people together. But, of course, then we got to the video of Harry Styles as he returned to his seat at the premiere, seemingly spitting on Chris Pine. <laughs> what is going on with this film? I don't know, but um, I, I kind of loved Every bit of it this week, it it was an absolute pure distraction, which is what these things normally are. And whether or not he spat or didn't spit, I don't think he did. There were so many angles too. I don't know why he would spit at Chris Pine. And not like hot take angles, but literally camera angles. There were so many camera angles of a piece of spit. It was magnificent. (laughs) And you know what I realised? I've never seen a movie with Chris Pine in in it. Not one. What does he do? (laughs) Who is he? He Isn't he in like superhero films? He looks like Thor, doesn't he? And and that's Like he's just a... He's like a mock-up, like a of that version, but now he looks like 
someone's auntie in the seventies or the early eighties, like that's just somewhat there's lots of things going on on the internet, but like, you know, gives you your first glass of wine or something. Like he's just got that look about him. Can I just say really quickly a little preview of our fashion segment today? It will be pertaining to the Venice Film Festival. In the write up that I saw from the cut, every single designer was listed on what everyone was wearing, but for Chris Pine it just said, Chris Pine is wearing the suit that Harry Styles spat at <laughs> Brutal. As far as I can tell, it's just a pair of chinos anyway. I mean, who cares if you get a spit of spit on your chinos? That happens every Friday night out, doesn't it, in Australia? All of this is very juicy gossip, though, and I do wonder, though, what lies beneath it. And it did start to feel very uncomfortable to me when I was looking at all of this and all of us had our popcorn out and rubbing our hands together and Mm. there's been great explainers of all of it. Everyone's feasting on all of this juicy gossip. Mm. But there was part of me that was like, hang on, doesn't this shit go down in just about every film, not every film, but a lot of films, like you're dealing with really big egos, high-name directors who probably have egos themselves, Mm. and you very rarely hear about a dissection of what happened on set with so many other projects. And I started thinking, is this a little bit sexist? And I wasn't alone. Yeah, there was a great piece, actually. Terry White has a substack, and it's actually public, which is great. It's it's White Noise with Terry White. And and the opinion here was Olivia Wilde and her movie has been trivialised and trashed. And the question is, why is a female director held to such different standards than her male counterparts? Mm. Why, why is what's going on on set trivialised to such an extent that it just becomes the subject of gossip? And she lists a whole bunch of reasons as to why that might be. And, and I think, you know, it's all based in the way we traditionally deal with women in public roles. And we, we, tri- we do trivialise them quite a bit. And I know it feels like, oh, here we go, here are the think pieces. Even that I stopped talking about it. take I, the joy is, out of it yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, this is why I didn't want to but, talk about it. But seriously, like but, I said. Yeah, you see it. And it's also really difficult to get a second film up if you're a female director, apparently. I didn't know this either. And this sort of thing actually works against the director and, you know, oh, there's a storm around this. There's trouble quite around quite her. difficult she's, to work with. She's controversial. She she has affairs with her with her stars. That kind of stuff that really trivialises what it is that she's doing. And from the first film, Booksmart, we know she's great. She makes hits. Yeah, she makes hits. Well, Terry White is someone who knows what she's talking about too because she herself is a writer. She's an author, a screenwriter. She used to be the editor of Empire Mag, mm. which was a pretty high-profile film magazine. Absolutely. And, you know, the problem with when we talk about female-directed films, which are still well and truly in the minority, um, as we know, it's an issue because, yeah, as you say, women face way more problems getting greenlit. And it matters if we sort of perpetuate this sense that a female-directed film or project is a risk, you know, that these things will happen. It would troublesome. And it really the kind of dialogue and the conversation around all of this has felt very high school, Mm. really catty in high school in the sort of... You know, and I think that it's to the credit of a lot of the actors that they haven't bought in on it. They haven't spoken about anything publicly. They're not sort of giving any more fodder to the very hungry and salacious media that is mm. making what is kind of beat ups. Um, and also just that whole side thing as well about Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde dating. How many times have you seen and heard of actors getting together on set, directors and actors getting together on set? It's half of the course, isn't it? (laughs) And if you look at any kind of Hollywood history, that's been happening since the beginning of time. Yeah, why is this so wild? Sorry, that isn't the pun was not intended. (laughs) But also, it got me, you know, digging into 
this backstory of the other muddy part of this, which was her split up from Jason Sudeikis, who I don't know if you've heard this story, but she was doing a um, she was at a conference, a film conference, and she was speaking on stage. And in the middle of her presentation, she was served with legal papers. That was brutal. Which is for anybody who was at this conference, they're like, "How did this person?" the person who was serving her the papers, get past security to walk on stage while she's speaking and serve these papers. That's that's some real fuckery going on yeah. right there. Yeah. And you just don't see that happening to male directors. It just it scres of undermining and get back in your box. And trivialising. I think that's the other thing. It's like female it makes director. it about the gossip rather than about the film. And I must admit, we've loved the gossip. Let's not deny that. Like it's actually been... Did he spit? Did he not? What's going on? Are they having? Are they having? I mean, the a spit was good gossip. It was good gossip, and I did appreciate. The spit, which was between two men, I may just also point out, um, two men involved in the spitting incident. <laughs> oh, but then Harry Styles went and pashed his other co-star too. What? I missed that. Or That's did the a long extended kiss. Like, there's all sorts of things going on, but all these things end up trivialising what is possibly a really interesting film. It may or may not be, but then there's the other angle. Is it just getting bums on seats is this publicity like they've never had before that actually will bring more people to see the film than would perhaps in the first place. It's it's difficult to tell, but anything that centres around gossip tends to trivialise women's efforts. Yeah. And I think that's the bit that kind of makes you sad about all this. Yeah, it's weird. I'm going to put that um, great sub stack into the show notes. I will be seeing it, as many people will. Obviously, Harry Styles. Oh, I'm going. I'm RSVP. But don't you want to see what's going on on that set? Like, don't you want to watch all of those interactions? Yeah. It's absolutely the perfect press for it. But the reasons of why, um, maybe peel the layer back and, and have a little think about it. Now, Miff, you sent me a really interesting piece this week. And before we go into it, can we just... <laughs> I don't know if it's interesting, but it's amazing. Well, maybe this will take you into a happy place. <laughs> Why am I listening to this squeaky little Hudson Mohawk, great Scottish producer, Jam, called Seabat? Because, oh boy, this has been going off online. Oh, this was so good. This, uh, you have to turn it off. I can't concentrate because it's too good. There's something turned up on Reddit. People ask questions, get answers. Um, (laughs) I love that you just explained Reddit. Yeah. That's what it is. People ask questions and get answers. My girlfriend, 20 years old, of two years, told me that the music I, that I, I'm 25 years old, play during sex is weird and a major turn-off. A little backstory. When I first started having sex, I researched into ways to be better as I was a little stiff and pretty much had no idea what I was doing. I read online that you can play music and match the rhythm in order to put on a better performance. Never read that Yuck. before. Never heard that before either. <laughs> I searched lovemaking songs and started slowly no! creating a playlist in which I was comfortable matching the rhythm. There are a few songs to my playlist, however, there is one song in particular, which actually happens to be my favourite that my girlfriend hates and says turns her off in a major way. I don't understand why it's taken her two years to tell me she hates that song. It's a good lovemaking song with good rhythm. I feel the way I fucked up is I could have possibly asked her previously if she likes the playlist or any songs she'd like to add or change. But to leave it for two years thinking our sex life is great but in her eyes has just been ruined by my music has left the whole situation (laughs) feeling awkward and I'm a bit annoyed. 
I pretty much played this tune every single time. So the amount of time she must have not been enjoying it when I thought the complete opposite is annoying but also embarrassing in ways. Also, how triggering when he's like, here we go. <laughs> that's it. That's his song. <laughs> that's his song. And he's written, it's fucked up the relationship because sex feels awkward now. The other day we were having sex with no music, but I was still thrusting to the tune playing in my head. She recognised this and asked me to stop. I thought this song was perfect and I always thrust along with the tune and I feel it gives me the perfect rhythm for doing the deed to. I usually bust to this song and find it devastating. She hates the song. Oh, oh my, my God. God. He's tied his sex to this rhythm and he can he needs to break out of this rhythm. He needs to break out of Seabat. But the best bit that came out of this was all of a sudden TikTok was a light and uh, Instagram, all sorts of people posting what they thought the thrusting would look like. <laughs> and it was people just laughing because it's like forward and back. Forward and big one, forward and back, and and it was just, oh, it was so evocative and magnificent. I loved it. But then there was an update. Just a day later, the guy updated. Um, his relationship is over. The girl's sister figured it out was them because the post went viral. Partly because he had subjected his own family to the song at dinner. No, and it was burned in their memories. He played them the song at dinner. Yep. That's what Jenna Gilliam on Twitter said. What's the context for him dropping this jam at dinner? I don't know. But the, the other question that it's raised is there's also a CD because he said, I've burnt a CD of my sex songs. I can't put the playlist up. I've burnt a CD. This guy is the oldest 25-year-old I know, I've who ever burnt heard CDs of. in 2022? So I don't know. Again, I don't know if this is a magnificent publicity stunt for Hudson Mohawk and Seabat, <laughs> a song that came out a couple of years ago. But if it is, that's genius. But this guy... I just feel very sorry for him. I don't at all. He shared this. He's the one who posted this on Reddit. He's the one who I think, I'm pretty sure he used his own name and lots of details that could make him identifiable. It got better. Oh. He posted his own video illustrating how he thrust. Oh, no. It's up there. He's loving this. It's online. He's, yeah, it's not good. It's really not good. How would you describe the thrust? He's wearing tracksuit pants. Which is never good. Too much information yeah. in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> but what's he written? Hang on, I'll just find it. Got to wait for it to replay. Wake up, babe. New sea bat thrust pattern dropped. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just him in his tracksuit pants from the head down, showing off his thrusting moves. And it's, yeah, it's not quite right. Wow. Not quite right. But um, Hudson Mohawk, if you were behind this, you are a genius. It's the best publicity I've ever seen. I did see when I went on to Spotify that the streams are up to about $3 million, so maybe he's just getting some sweet payday yeah. from um, his Reddit sex playlist. Oh, I hope he has a night of his own <laughs> listening to his own song and Hudmo. thrusting. No! Do, 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 do. Well, he's got the instructional video now, so he's good, good to go. Yeah, well, they're all over the internet. It's magnificent. Holy shit. Speaking of all over the internet, someone else broke it this week. I think that we must have spoken about, well, did we, the last time that Kim Kardashian bared her butt mm. on the front of a magazine? It was Paper Magazine. It was the iconic image of her emerging from a big black garbage bag, an amazing image that caused a storm, and she's come back with that big butt onto the front page of the iconic Interview Magazine. Mm. Have you seen this image? I sure have. I do not know what to think. So normally I have opinions about these things, but I saw it and I was like, what on earth is going on here, Kimmy? What's going on? She's wearing a bit of denim. Mm. She's wearing a jock strap, it seems, some sort of jock strap, which is what 
I think rugby players wear, American football players wear, is that right? Holds your business in the front and keeps it open at the back. It's with an American flag behind it, a little bit born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen A lot of denim, a lot of, you know, blonde hair, blonde blonde eyebrows. Blonde eyebrows, and she just doesn't even really look like her, but her butt is out over the top of the jeans. It almost looks like she's about to do a boo. (laughs) Like, I'm just not sure what she was going for. It's like that moment just before you sit on the loo, isn't it? Apparently they sort of were talking about how to pose this, and I think that maybe she pushed for this. She was like, yeah, I want to get the – pull the pants down and show over on my butt. This is what we're going to do. And this is going to be the cover image. Not you have to flip a few pages in, but this will be the cover image. I mean, I love that she's going, this is what I'm known for. Let's get it out there again. I've got no problems with that whatsoever. But it literally looks like she's just pulling her pants down that moment (laughs) before you sit on the toot. And I'm like, what uh, What was the message here? I'm not entirely sure. She's not holding anything on it like she did last time. It's true. A little bit of, little bit of shampoo. There's nothing balancing on the shirt. No, she just looks like she's taking her pants off to go to the loo. Well, I got an interesting message from Bang <laughs> Fam, and I'm sorry, I couldn't find this. I don't know whether it was on Twitter or Instagram or you emailed. I, c- I can't find it, sorry. But the Bang Fam message was a kind of question, is this queer baiting? And yes. I thought that that was an interesting question because we, you know, Harry Styles is someone else who's been accused of queer baiting recently mm-hmm. as well. But that jockstrap look is incredibly very 80s. gay culture, gay you know? porn in the eighties. So I'm wondering how, and I know we've got a lot of community who listen to Bang Fam. I mean, I'm I'm curious about how gay men feel about this this look that Kim Kardashian is using. Whether you are like, yeah, that's hot, go mm. for it, or no. You know, get out of our lane. Like that's yeah. not cool. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I don't know how I feel about it either. I don't need to see it. No, I've, <laughs> I feel like I've seen it enough. I just think there's like there's she could there's maybe she should look. She's a, you know maybe she could start showing under the arm. The bingo or wings. You want to see some bingo oh, wings? Just something else. <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's a great part. I'm not denying that. It's it's magnificent. It's superb. But you feel things. like we've seen it all. But I think we've seen it. Maybe this is like that kind of naturism thing that we've been talking about where once you strip it all back and you've seen it so many times, the thrill is gone. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, a, oh, yeah, there, there's Kim's butt again. Yeah. Cool. Good good to see you again. I know. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Next. Well, if anyone would like to do a photo shoot of me with my fiddle-biddles out, that's, no, we th- can Mif- do that. Miffy's twiddling her bingo wings right now. <laughs> I'm ready. Titillating me in the studio. I love it. Um, some people have suggested, though, and this uh, comes from Twitter, and I, I don't know the, the woman's handle, sadly, because it's like pictures and things, but she says, <laughs> as a philosophical aesthetician, Kim Kardashian is the epitome of the major issues issues with the beauty industrial complex. She only appropriated to styles and culture to remain relevant. Fashion trends speak volumes about a culture's ideologies. She is attempting to be more white, passing as she attempts to become a lawyer and fight for criminal justice reform, which plenty of black women is currently doing. She is profiting off white privilege since she is not black and can be shedding her black face because she has been accused of appropriating black culture in many of the looks and the styles that she puts out there in the past. So this is an interesting progression, according to some people on social media. Yeah. A lot of questions, as always, more questions than answers. I'll pop that interview mag spread. Mm in the show notes and you can um, look at it yourself or not, whatever you like.
Yeah. Gosh. Is that weirdest? This is the only weirdest song anyone it's knows. True. What other weirdest songs do you know? None. <laughs> Didn't they have a sweat it like a jumper song or something too? No, that's Weezer. Oh, that was Weezer, wasn't it? Gosh. It's all running into one, isn't it? The history, the past. Well, interesting you mentioned history because a lot of people have been posting pictures of their um, so-called scruffy emo selves as teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> one of the other great things that's happened on the internet and TikTok this week. Have you put anything up? I didn't. No, it's the teenage dirtbag trend. I haven't put anything up yet. No, me neither. Because um, it's a funny one. Like, I mean, first of all, can I just really dissect this? I did Google the lyrics. How would you describe a teenage dirtbag as it relates to the big weedest hit? In the lyrics, there's more description of the girl he's keen on, oh, how she rocks, in Keds and Tube Socks, Mm. and also the guy she's dating who, I miss this, but brings a gun to school. So that's a little part of the (laughs) lyrics that I missed. There's more about other people than there are about the actual protagonist, the songwriter. All we know is that he listens to Iron Maiden and then at the end of the song he gets two tickets to Iron Maiden. So from that people have started this teenage dirtbag trend and a whole bunch of, let's just say, hot famous people have been posting photos and Martha Stewart as well who did model as a younger woman and I would say is a hot woman. I'm just going to put it out there. She posted the teenage dirtbag trend as well. Right, okay. She's just in a hot jumpsuit leaning on a car. How are you a teenage dirtbag? It's probably one of her old modelling shots. It probably was actually. And, and and I think that's what some critics are saying, that it's all about looking back at our past, the unflattering things of our past, and, and you can make that, that mental leap, that mental jump to go, well, haven't I done well? Don't I look better now? And it's a bit, you know, it's a bit like that. A bit like Throwback Thursday. But all of them look great at the time as well. In fact, Lil Nas X I thought was amazing because he just posted pictures of himself from the previous year when he was 21 at the (laughs) MTV VMAs and he's in like high couture fashion. Yeah. (laughs) Teenage dirtbag, but he's just like like laying on a floor oh, and totally saying, "Suck it! I'm go- I'm gorgeous <laughs> then. I'm gorgeous now." And yeah, enjoy me. I love that. But yeah, it's like that. How it started, how it's going. Meme. As Whenever well. I see those as well, I'm just reminded, and we are, you know, showing our age here. I'm going to speak for both of us, but our, the photos that we have, which was predate smartphones, mm. where I maintain that I had no idea how to dress until well until my 20s and maybe even 30s. And the sort of stuff that I was wearing and how I was doing my hair and certainly my makeup was seriously cooked. I looked terrible for a long time. And if I I. post any of those photos, like I did actually recently of me in 1995, and someone said that I look like I should be in the remake of The Castle, it was that bad. (laughs) Just like oversized jumpers, like dark raccoon Raccoon eyeliner eyes. You would have looked gorgeous. Far too heavy eyebrows, the burgundy lips. Oh, the dark burgundy lips looks good on no one. No one. Like goth, but then also wearing stuff that made me look like, you know, you used to wear your brother's and your dad's clothes, like oversized jeans, Jeans. like the pre-boyfriend jeans, because boyfriend jeans look hot now, but this was actually just wearing old, shitty, hard yakka pants and not being flattering at all. That's Mm. a true teenage dirtbag look. Exactly. When you look like you've just rolled out of a gutter and you're about to roll back into it afterwards. (laughs) That's the look I want to see on TikTok. I literally remember a Meredith Music Festival where it was pissing down with rain where I literally did have to borrow my brother's jeans because I was too cold and I spent the night in these huge oversized jeans and then I think I might have even slept under a car because I forgot (laughs) to bring a tent. So I literally was a teenage dirtbag for sure. But the beauty of our time was, you know, I know Martha Stewart obviously had a modelling photo. Our photos didn't turn out very well. No. They were either blurry, some red had their eyes. eyes shut, red eyes, <laughs> and you wouldn't want to show them anyway. So you're not really a teenage dirtbag, I think, unless you've got 
no photos of that time that you can use. Yeah. Because, you know, once phones came in, we stopped being as dirtbag, didn't we? Did you see the irony got of me caught. trying to find some authenticity in a, in a TikTok trend? I mean, it's never going to work, but yeah. I had to say my piece about the true teenage dirtbag. Yeah. You don't want to see these photos. I do. <laughs> The other big thing that a lot of people have been talking about this week, and we mentioned last week, Miff, was that the Raising Their Voices report just Mm. dropped. Now, this happened in the moments before we went in to record last week's Bang On, and we didn't have a chance to read through the 78 pages of this report. In case you missed it, this is the first ever major independent investigation into sexual harassment, discrimination and bullying in the Australian music industry, and... 1,600 people from the industry and across the industry were surveyed in um, this report. The results are pretty damning, and I don't think this is going to come to anyone as a surprise, but the numbers that we're talking about are far higher than in many of the other industries that Mm. have experienced these same sorts of issues. More than half of those surveyed, more than half, experienced sexual harassment. Nearly one in four had been a victim of bullying and many more shared tales of racism, abuse and labour exploitation Mm. while working within the music industry. And for women, that rate of sexual harassment was much higher. It was more than twice of that than men. But also, almost nobody reports on it because they worry that they're going to damage their career or their reputation. So it just stays silent. And unsurprisingly, the report showed that men thrive more in the music industry and that women and young people are at much higher risk of harm, of poor work practices, and also people of diverse backgrounds frequently experienced discrimination, which led to a denial of opportunities. There was a lot of recommendations in this report, and one of them was establishing a government-funded cultural reform council, which would develop an action plan to address this sexual harm that's happening. Um, alongside an industry-wide code of conduct. So taking it out of words and putting it into action. And a lot of people are talking about it as a sort of watershed moment. And you can see that the people that came out in support of this report and have been building, I will say, publicly over the last couple of years since we've been talking about this Mm. more openly, ARIA, APRA AMCOS, major labels, the changes that have happened at Sony in the Mm. wake of that, you know, the reports of a toxic workplace there. People, it seems like, want to, you know, make long-term changes and that we are at a a turning point. And Jaguar Jones, who was one of the most outspoken people who shared her own awful stories of, of, you know, allegations of sexual assault and and harassment and racism, um, she was really closely associated with this report too. She worked really closely with the people on it. And she was speaking to Hack on Triple J about um, the results and, yeah, just kind of acknowledged that this means, you know, there's an understanding that we have a problem and there's a way forward now. And I think that that's the thing, like having this reported so widely. It's concrete. And there's done, evidence. And really, like they've really done the work in speaking to people. There's nowhere to hide now. Mm. There's nowhere to say, oh, we didn't quite know what was going on. That accountability is expected and demanded. Yeah. Not just from the people who have experienced this first firsthand, but the people who work within the industry, who are coming up in the industry, the amount of people who you know, worry about what's going to happen and that tip-off point we've spoken about before about women who are engaged in music, whether it's as a musician or working with the industry in another role, and it just falls away because those those doorways close, you're intimidated, you're harassed, all of those things. Like that's, 
you would hope that's no one's going to stand for that anymore, mm. but also that the people who are in those positions of power ensure that those workplaces are safe. Yeah. So I hope that this is a turning point. It feels like things have really changed in the time we've been talking about this on Bang On. And even Tarana Burke, who is, if you don't know Tarana, she's one of the founders of the Me Too movement. She's here in Australia over from the States at the Big Sound Music Conference, which is pretty much the biggest music conference in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. It's happening in Brizzy this week. And she gave a keynote a couple of days ago um, and responded to this report and said, you know, we need courage. There are lots of stories. They're hard stories. Horrible things have happened behind those doors. And we need accountability. But she also said it would be amazing to see artists and industry actually own and be accountable for their part and reflect on the harm that they've caused because that sets the stage of what accountability could lead to and that it takes courage to own up and confront an abuser. But we don't until we see that kind of courage, we can't have those tough conversations because... This is not about sex or desire. It's about power and privilege. Mm. And that's really hard to face in some ways because, like I said, you feel like when you're in a position of lesser power that if you speak up, you're never going to have any sort of power. You're going to be knocked back. If you're an emerging artist or at the start of your career, how do you even get the guts to do that? And But we need that. We live in a culture where women aren't believed either. Yeah. So it's it's almost impossible, isn't it? to create this change that is required. But I think that's shifting. I do think it's shifting, but I think it's it's not going to be as quick as, you know, this report's out and all of a sudden people are accountable. Like yeah. it's, it's like watching everything else. It's a slow topple. It's not going to be an immediate topple. And, I mean, I wish it was. I absolutely wish it was. But even, like, they're recommending in this report that music gigs and other industry events and organisations should aim to meet gender parity benchmarks by 2030. Like, that's... It's 2022. Mm. That feels like a long way away. Yeah. I feel like we can go harder. In order to create new space and more space for others, those who hold space need to make way, need to step aside, need to step down, need to share that power, need to confront the accountability um, that they maybe should have a long time ago. And that's going to be the tough one to crack, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going full circle back to where we began, the Venice Film Festival. Yes. Fashion. Fashion. I must say, Florence Pugh wandering around doing her classic, you know, white girl on Instagram with her Aperol spritz in that purple ensemble. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah. While all the drama was going down and she refused to be at the press conference for (laughs) Don't Worry, Darling. That was a moment. For sure. That was a great fashion moment. I liked it. Leisure wear. beautiful. Imperial The return of resort wear. (laughs) That was was actually resort wear and I feel like it's appropriate for Venice. But there's been lots of great looks this week. And everyone there as well was wearing multiple looks and all the Mm. different things that they did. I think that Tessa Thompson had like five different outfits that I wanted to wear. Incredible. My favourite was this neon green corseted dress from Christopher John Rogers where she just looks sort of futuristic but also getting a very you know, like Elizabethan era mm. full corset going on. Yeah, my favourite with um, Tim- Timothy Chalamet wearing what looks like to be mum's curtains. <laughs> Some sort of very heavy, The red heavy slacks, the halter neck top. Halter neck top. But I reckon like, his, with- his posture let him down though. He was just like, he was rounding his shoulders forward and kind of being the like, you know, the... 
he had this sort of stance of someone's like, I don't really care about being here. It's like, but obviously you do. Look at what you're look wearing. Look at this amazing <laughs> outfit. It's, it, it is. It's Roll bit, your shoulders back and hold your head high, Tim. It's a bit of curtain material with it sort of tied <laughs> around the neck, but he's, he's all bare underneath and it looks fabulous and the pants are fabulous and it's, it's all great. But yes, you're right. He needed to embrace that look a little bit more. Did you see Taylor Russell, who I had to Google, she's a Canadian actor who is in a new film called Bones and All, and she, I'm going to put it in the show notes, she's wearing an amazing sort of satin green Balenciaga outfit, and they're just these balloon pants and then Mm. a tube top. But then what she's got on the top of the sort of tight tube top is what basically looks like a green Christmas cracker. It's a bonbon. She's got a bonbon on. (laughs) On her boobs. (laughs) Bonbon boobs, which I I rate that. Like, it's a really strong look. I love that. I that love was one of the real kind of couture, like, you know, wild fashion outfits. Yeah. And you want to get attention when you're launching a film. You do. And Kate Blanchett knows her way around attention. And this year she wore... Spring has sprung. Spring has sprung, that's for sure. <laughs> right out her top. I think she thought, this jumpsuit's not enough. I'm just going to grab some flowers from the foyer of the hotel. <laughs> And whack him down the front. Chaparelli jumpsuit. It is she looked beautiful. beautiful. Absolutely Always. beautiful. But it really did look like. You reckon she just like, stole the hotel. Um, yeah. This <laughs> the, po- the posy in the, People, the foyer of the hotel and just my, stuffed it down. Her my outfit's not good cleavage. enough. It's not enough. It's Venice. What are, what are you thinking? This is too plain. I need to do something. And she did something. You know, we love a pointy collar. Did you see Harry Styles in his Gucci pointy collar? I can't get enough of it. <laughs> Anything that looks like you can rudder a small boat with. <laughs> Is fine by me. Like it, if if a collar can do that, then it's a great collar because you can also use it as a napkin as well. You could use the underside to sort of wipe the corners of your mouth when you Chris spill Pine a bit of it. Get it up there and dab your little face with the ex- extra long flaps. We didn't actually talk about it. Do you think he spat? Yeah, I think he spat. I think he spat accidentally. I do it all the time. <laughs> like when you're talking to someone, you've had a few wines. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> It's gone, and you're like, oh, oh. But it's the I don't whole think he video. Meant it. He's not a he's not a mean person. He doesn't strike me as. Who mean. knows what Harry Styles is or who he is, Miff? Seriously, mm. who really knows? Watermelon sugar. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing, I was trying to identify trends. It was very hard to. Um, the only sort of similarity that I saw was in two sheer numbers, and they were both by Valentino. So I guess that that's Valentino's vibe. But Julianne Moore and Florence Pugh at the actual premiere of Don't mm. Worry Darling for Florence were wearing sheer dresses, which was the black sheer number with the little black pants and the bright. You could see everything, but it was an artful sheer. Mm. And normally I'd be like poo-pooing this because, you know, with fashion you always project how would I look in this and I would never wear a sheer number. But I quite like the sheer number. You could do a sheer. I, I think we could all do a sheer. I could never do a sheer. I just you like could. it objectively. I could not do a sheer. You could do a sheer. We could all do a sheer. <laughs> Again, as always, I say ABC New Year's Eve, sheer. Or will I go the Balenciaga bonbon look? Have you seen the new Balenciaga campaign? No. With Kim Kardashian in it. No. It's not doesn't look that good. Too little butt? Too little butt, first and <laughs> foremost. I, I expect that with Kimmy K. But also the Sunnies are real speed dealer sunnies. We're right back there. <laughs> and I know that it's been threatening for a long time, but this was actually real speed dealer. Like proper nineties. <laughs> Everything hungry jacks, hungry jack sunnies. Remember, you get the free ones you used to get at hungry jacks. Oh yeah, yeah, they're like that. Like I'm it. going to a music festival. I need to stop up at the servo. I forgot my sunnies. Forgot my sunnies. <laughs> Here are the speed dealers. Sure, they're they're white. 
and then <laughs> they look terrible. But you know, I'll wear them regardless. I feel like that's what she's she's channeling. That's the teenage dirtbag we're all going exactly. for. Exactly. And you're hiding those photos, aren't you? <laughs> Everyone who puts up your teenage dirtbag photos. Anyone with your speed dealer sunnies you, on. <laughs> you spat that out. Anyone who puts up your teenage dirtbag photos. Put them up. Put that up. Oh dear. So what are you banging on about oh, this week? God, well, this is a, a first, Zan. We're banging on about the same thing because... Is this a gangbang? Ooh, <laughs> see what you did there. Yes. Been waiting five years to say that. It really is. Can I just peel back the curtain for a moment? Um, we have a Google Doc where we put ideas for each week mm. and we do call that the bang on bang gang. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so but that was between so us and <laughs> Thanks, Zan. Yeah. Um... I'm just going to say yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. We've both been watching The Bear. Oh, my God. And I've been waiting for this for the couple of months since everyone was raving about it when it premiered on FX in the States. Mm. We've had to wait a little while, but it just dropped on Disney+. Plus. Have you watched the whole thing? Not the whole thing. Oh. I find it a bit stressful. It's very stressful. Everybody's yelling. I mean, I've worked in kitchens. I've been a waitress. I've done all sorts of gigs in pubs and clubs. And, oh, man, watching it is the first few episodes. I, nearly, I actually nearly gave up. Yeah. I was like, this is not what, why are we? It's not enjoyable stress either. No. It's You've like got to really push through. Men yelling, mm. essentially, mm. a lot of it. And do you know one of the actors? Do you recognise one of the actors in it? The actor who plays Richie? Do you remember Richie who played Desi in Girls? <gasps> Can I remind you of the famous scene of a certain ass being eaten out? Oh, my God. It's Speaking Desi. of asses. What Speaking a, what a... of intensity, he was intense then. That's his style. He's very stressful to watch. Remember Desi from Girls? Yes. Oh, how could I forget? Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's all coming together. You just look like you need to do a bit of a, a rinse. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm enjoying it immensely. I'd say watch it, get around it. But if you are slightly triggered by having like really full-on intense experiences in kitchens, of which most of them are to some degree, although I imagine things are changing again, another industry that is changing, but there's a lot of stuff that goes down in this kitchen. Toxic workplaces. It's just awful. Can we just give a synopsis for anybody who doesn't know? This is the vibe of the bear. A young chef who is coming from the world of fine dining. He's, he's Michelin starred. He's all the business, The I'm best sure. restaurant in the world he's been coming from. And he's headed home to Chicago where he is taking up the running of his family-owned Italian beef sandwich shop. His brother has died of suicide and he's left behind the shop to him but also a whole lot of debts. Mm. And the kitchen is a mess the staff are unruly, they're all over the place, and this is where the stress begins. So it's a dramedy. Um, I would say it's a bit more drama than comedy. What 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 bit made you laugh so far? Because I'm up to episode four and I have not done one lol. There's sharp not writing. Even a lol. There's some really sharp writing, but they're half hour episodes. That's why it's a comedy because drama is forty five minutes to an hour and comedy's <laughs> a half an hour. That's the rule for some reason. Um, but this dramedy is, I guess, a great character exploration, and this is what got me going through what were some really intense and stressful two and a half to three episodes. After that, it chills out a bit. It certainly comes back in episode seven. But the character development for me and the stories of each of these different people in the kitchen were just so brilliant. Like, they don't waste a word. The writing is so good. Mm. The portrayal of particularly working-class Chicago um, I thought was just really wonderful. And also, like, I'm always, and I know you're the same, I always 
pay attention to the music supervision. It's really good. It's so good. And I think that, like, you know, these sort of prestige TV shows of the last few years, they often focus on having really cool, like, deep cuts and cool music or, like, orchestral covers of indie songs and everyone's talking about them. Or Kate Bush, bringing Kate Mm. Bush back um, to a broader appeal once again. But this just leans into unashamed dad rock. Totally. I don't remember the last time I heard John Cougar Mellencamp's Check It Out in a TV show, if ever, and it just pops up. And it's so, so good. And it's just not self-conscious. It feels true and authentic. And I think that's the feeling of this show. There's a beautiful authenticity to the storytelling that the music supervision just makes sing as well. Yeah. Um, somebody wrote on social media, Anthony Bourdain would have loved this show. Like it's it's kind of, it's got that sense of grasping onto the real rather than making something a fantasy, yeah. and, which is something he always did. He always humanised all of his guests and people and, 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 and latched onto the real. And it, it just, it feels like, yeah, it's, for me, it's going to go to a good place, I hope. Well, the series is all there on Disney+. Plus. I watched the final episode of the first series. It feels like there's going to be more to come. Um, But I was sad when it ended, which is a good sign for someone who was like, oh, God, this is painful. (laughs) I had faith. So I'm here to tell you, you have faith if you can handle it. If you work in hospo or you have or you're not good with stressful. I don't like watching stress on TV. I'm kind of like, why am I doing this? Mm. But I I really loved uh, The Bear. And one of the other things I loved about it too was this Michelin star chef who comes back kind of instigates, tries to instigate some order when he comes back and he gets all of the staff to say, yes, chef, yes, chef. So you ask for something and they acknowledge it with Mm. a yes, chef. But Tina, one of the characters, mishears and so for the rest of the series she calls him Jeff. Yes, Jeff. (laughs) So now anytime Jeff, who is the actual name of my partner who does all the cooking at home, anytime he's cooking I'm like, yes, Jeff. (laughs) That's so good. Yes, Jeff. Works for us at home. Well, that's it. That's it. What a week. Good gangbang. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> no more. Shh. <laughs> She's telling me off. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bang. 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 Bang.